Good morning, everyone. As we gather, let's prepare our hearts for worship by hearing the words of this song. Welcome once again. Way to get your time and clocks right this morning. Um, we're so glad that you're here as well as those who are worshiping online. We're glad that you're connecting with us today. Hear the words of the Lord from Psalm 27. One thing I ask from the Lord, this only do I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze on the beauty of the Lord and to seek him in his temple. For in the day of trouble, he will keep me safe in his dwelling. He will hide me in the shelter of his sacred tent and set me high upon a rock. Amen. I invite you to stand and worship with us.
You know, that song is so perfect. You alone, Lord, can save me. I can't do it myself, just you alone. And I am so thankful for that at the same time. A couple weeks ago, I felt like God said to me, Linda, the next time you pray, I want you to pray for their inner hurts. I'm like, oh, Lord, really? I don't know. I don't know what they are. Sometimes I don't even know what my own are until I go to God and go, Lord, here I am. Use me. And so then I thought, okay, Lord, if you're going to do this, you got to give me the words. Um, and I kind of have to chuckle because the songs that Sarah is singing today are all about him. And he's the only one that can do it. Bill's sermon, I found out, was on the Good Shepherd. He's good. He wants to heal us. No matter how deep those wounds are, no matter how much they hurt, he wants to heal us. But to, for us to be healed, we have to acknowledge it and we have to lay it before him. So that's what my prayer is today, that you guys acknowledge it. You don't have to speak it out, but you do have to acknowledge it and speak it to him. So let's pray. Psalm 6. Lord, do not rebuke me in your anger or discipline me in your wrath. Have mercy on me, Lord, for I am faint. Heal me, Lord, for my bones are in agony. My soul is in deep anguish. How long, Lord? How long? Lord, as we come before you in this day, knowing that you are the good shepherd, knowing that you alone can save us, Lord, have mercy on us. Reveal to us, Lord, what you may want to do today. Lord, heal me. My soul just hurts. How long, Lord, do we stay in that position? How long? Turn, Lord, and deliver me. Save me because of your unfailing love. Among the dead, no one proclaims your dead. No one proclaims your name. Who praises you from the grave? I am worn out from my groaning. All night long I flood my bed with weeping and drench my couch with tears. My eyes grow weak with sorrow. They fail because of all my foes. Lord, I know when I am weak, you are strong. But the world tells me something different. They want me to be strong all the time, and Lord, I cannot. So Lord, come alongside of me. Even when I go to bed and just uh, drench it in tears, Lord, I have the assurance that you are there that you are helping me and you will stand alongside of me. You don't make my life a glorious showplace, but I don't think I want it. Lord, you just want to stand alongside of me and give me your strength. Away from me, all you who do evil, for the Lord has heard my weeping. The Lord has heard my cry for mercy. The Lord accepts my prayer. Lord, I thank you that even in this weakness, you accept my prayer, even though it doesn't have all the grand and glorious words out there. Doesn't matter, Lord, because you have accepted me just the way I am. You have made me for a reason. You have put me here for a reason. And so, Lord, I ask you that you continue to give us boldness so that we can go forward proclaiming your name and saying that, yes, you are the good shepherd. Even though it doesn't feel like it at times, Lord, I know you are the good shepherd, that you will guard me, you will guide me, and you will protect me. So, Lord, I thank you for this day. I thank you, Lord, that we can get together, that we can 
raise praises to your name at the same time that we can raise up and open ourselves up and say, Lord, heal me. So, Lord, just continue to fall on us. Keep giving us yourself. Keep hearing my prayer. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, Linda. And good morning, Fusion. Both those of you here on site and online, uh, it's good to be together in all the fascinating ways we can. At this point, yeah, it looks like we're dismissing kids, send them to age-graded ministry for themselves. And a, a couple of items of kind of community news I'd like to, to share. You know, we're not just here to give you information. God's building a community of loving and encouraging people. We want to be a part of that. We've recently had kind of a change, a change in staff in our office. Dee Stahl, who used to be the um, voice you would get when you called, she's now moved over to congregational care and is helping lead that part of our ministry. So we're in contact with folks and keeping information that way. And then Kendra Vanderveen, who uh, years ago, as I understand, was a key administrator for us. She's come back and is working in the front office and a part of the team in that way. So we've had that change. Um, one of the unintended consequences we discovered, and I saw it in my own, all the email that was coming from Kendra on behalf of the church went to my spam folder. So if you haven't heard from Hardawike in a couple of weeks, check the spam folder. I got caught on that one, and uh, you may as well. So uh, beware. I'll let you know I've seen JB's footprints. He's got an office and slowly moving stuff in there. We're looking forward to Easter uh, when he begins his ministry as part of the Heart of White team, really focused here on Fusion. I'll be uh, anxious to just share and be life with him. As part of that, uh, we... I know it was very helpful for me when I came here that I was able to put together a prayer list of everybody connected with celebration and I attached a photo. Um, particularly during COVID-19, it's helped me pray for the people that I'm particularly committed to and put a face to that name. So not next Sunday. Next Sunday, Pastor Aaron will be here. I'm going to be at Watershed and Aaron will be here. Aaron, as you might see next week is a preacher that I've always really looked up to. He's what, six foot eight or something? So you'll get to look up to him as well. Um, but I will, on the 28th, the last Sunday of this month, we're going to try and take as many photos of Fusion folks as we can so we can help uh, Aaron and Yvonne connect names and faces in that way. I was just thinking we all take a selfie and text it to April, but they overruled me. So just come ready to get a photo or send one in if you like, all of those kind of things. So that's life together. Um, we continue to preach through portions of the Gospel of John, and these are connected by the word I am. Jesus is revealing his identity to us, who he is. And in the Greek, I've mentioned this a couple of times, I'll keep highlighting, it stands out because he uses a very strong term, ego, a me, I myself. He's not just a regular sentence, I went to the store, it's I myself do this or am that. And so we'll dig in in that way. Now, another thing as I prepare, ooh, how do you like that? Well, I'm just going to read off the thing. I've, my notes have different uh, things. This is actually a passage that does John 9 and 10. And John 9 is around a sign, the healing of a man born blind from birth. And it starts with the question, so who sinned, this guy or his parents? Jesus blows up this invalid, incorrect connection between bad things happen to bad people. They ask him who sinned, and Jesus says, it's not about sin. Oh, by the way, let me give you your healing. Now, the Pharisees who were there say, whoa, and there's an interaction with Jesus over the Pharisees. They want to investigate and see by what authority he does it because he's messing with their religious tradition, their Sabbath, and their understanding, not of God's Sabbath, but of man's Sabbath, Jewish Sabbath. And so they've been kind of going at it head to head for a um, 
chapter, and then Jesus picks up. Uh, let's press along to the, the first slide there in John chapter 10, beginning at verse 1. So there's this controversy with the Pharisees about a man who was healed, born blind, and he moves over to spiritual blindness, and then he picks up this way. He says, very truly, I tell you, Pharisees, anyone who does not enter the sheep by the gate but climbs in by some other way is a thief and a robber. The one who enters by the gate, ah, that's the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper comes and opens the gate for him, and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls them his own sheep by name, and he leads them out. When he was brought, when he has brought out all his own, he goes on ahead of them, and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. But they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. Jesus used this figure of speech, but the Pharisees did not understand what he was telling them. Just like always. Therefore, Jesus said again, very truly, I tell you, I myself am the gate for the sheep. All who've come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep have not listened to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief, he comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. But I myself have come that they might have life and have life to the full. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand, he's not the shepherd and does not own the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, yikes, he abandons the sheep and runs away. Then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. The man runs away and because he's a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I myself am the good shepherd, says Jesus. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. Just as the father knows me and I know the father and I lay my life down for the sheep. I have other sheep that are not of this sheep pen. I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice and there shall be one flock and one shepherd. The reason my father loves me is that I lay down my life only to take it up again. No one takes it from me, says Jesus, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and authority to take it up again. This command I received from my father. The Jews who heard these words were again divided. Many of them said, he is demon possessed and raving mad. Why listen to him? But others said, eh, these are not the sayings of a man possessed by a demon. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? Struggling with discernment there. Let's pray. Father, we thank you uh, that as a young man, John watched this scene. And he would have thought about it through his whole life, how you brought it to mind for him and inspired him in the writing of his gospel. And then... You preserve those texts through famine and war and tumult so that now we can hold with confidence what John wrote, an eyewitness. But we pray for more than just uh, understanding the text. We pray that you would illumine that text to our hearts and minds, that we would see the world differently and, and hear a different voice and live to the different drum of your grace. Father, thank you for your love for your people, that um, you would guard them from my brokenness, but let them see, even in me, the love and grace of Jesus Christ. Fill us with great hope this day. We make our prayer in his name, and all of God's people said together, amen and amen. Well, when Jesus was in this controversy with the Pharisees, they would have had some common background. And it was common background about this shepherd and sheep thing. Israel, God's people at that time, through the Old Testament, would have understood the idea that we are sheep and we follow the Lord. In Psalm um, 100, Verse 3, we read this, know that the Lord is God. It is he who made us and we are his. We are his people. 
the sheep of his pasture. Now, for much of Israel's history, they had been shepherding folks. They had flocks and cared for them. And so the metaphor of a shepherd and sheep was part of their everyday life and something they saw. They could discern, okay, we are like the sheep. We are cared for by the one who is our shepherd. And you know, Psalm 23, verse 1, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Psalm 80, verse 1 says, hear us. It's a prayer. Hear us, shepherd of Israel. Who's that? You who led Joseph like a flock. You who sit enthroned between the cherubim, shine forth. So the idea of the Lord as shepherd and his people as a flock, as sheep, would have been common parlance among them in the midst of that controversy. Jesus and the Pharisees, as they try to figure out what the sign of this healing meant. Well, Jesus picks up on all that, but he extends it in his teaching here in two ways that I want to focus on, two points of focus. And the first, he says over and over again, four particular times, he talks about the shepherd's voice. And listen some, I'll read them again about how central the idea of the flock, the sheep, who hear the voice of the shepherd is. Uh, verse 3, the gatekeeper opens the gate for him and the sheep listen to his voice. Now, sometimes I'll think about what's not said there. It does not say, and the sheep listened to his book of principles to apply to their life. He says the voice. Are there principles in his book? Yeah. Is that all we have? He's calling us to something more. Um, the gatekeeper opens the gate for him and the sheep recite his catechism. That's not what it says. Is a catechism a good thing? Yeah, I'm thankful for the history of understanding of Christian faith and how it shapes my heart and life. But the scripture calls us to something more. The sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and he leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes on ahead of them and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. One of the impacts of the internet and the communication that we have in this moment of human history is that there are at any given times hundreds of voices. I'll check my little Google news feed and it's like voice upon voice upon voice upon voice in the midst of all these voices telling me all kind of things. I need to make sure that I hear this invitation and this promise from the good shepherd himself, my sheep. Yes, thank you. By your grace, I am. Hear my voice. He goes on to say, they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from that stranger because they do not recognize the stranger's voice. Jesus used this figure of speech, but the Pharisees did not understand what he was telling them. It's as if they did not hear his Voice And sure enough, later on in verse 19, many of them said, he is demon-possessed and raving mad. Why listen to him? Jesus has just taught them about my sheep hear my voice, and they say don't listen. Connection. It's challenging. Well, this idea of the shepherd's voice speaks to us about a call to ongoing relationship. And what could be more important to ongoing relationship for us as believers than the life of prayer? It begins with relationship with a shepherd, a real God. It will continue with a relationship. It's not just a set of principles for us to apply as we pick or choose. It's more than that. It's not just a set of behaviors. We should be marked by the world as living with a kindness and a generosity, a different fruit. But those behaviors and conformity is not all there is. You see, the scripture reveals to us not the idea of God, not a God who is so distant we can never know him, but he sends things through his prophet. 
but a God who is personal, who would come and give his life for us and who as the good shepherd will speak his voice to us and not just the pastor. Degrees don't help you hear the voice of God. Take it from a guy with a lot of degrees. It's another way that we cultivate that life. Now, I'll breathe deep so you can too. I'm guessing that I'm beginning to broach onto area that might feel kind of spooky to some people, either here or uh, watching us online. What is this voices thing? Uh, hearing voices, isn't that like schizophrenia? And I want to tell you, schizophrenia is a real thing. I've cared for people I've, in my extended family. I'm aware what Jesus is talking about is something different. But what if I get it wrong? Um, all of us, I'm guessing, have stories of people saying, well, God told me, and you can stand back and get a sense that they're really just speaking out of their own insecurities. Have you ever seen that? They're just speaking out of their own pride sometimes, their own confusion. I could tell you a bundle of stories of silliness and self-centeredness under the banner of God said. But Jesus is talking about something different here. My sheep hear my voice. You see, I'd also have to tell you about the bundle of stories I have where while I'm praying with someone or perhaps in a counseling conversation, I've learned to just say, you know, as we talk, as we pray, here's what kind of comes to mind for me. And I might... If God has spoken something, I may share a picture or share a scripture or share a thought. And in the midst of that, again, this is to give you a sense of how I've experienced this in my own life. I'll get different responses. Sometimes in the midst of that, a person will go, oh, yes, I, I've been struggling with. And you just fill in the blank and go on and do ministry. Other times somebody says, no, that doesn't bring anything to mind. And then you get a call about three days later and they say, you know, when we were talking and you asked me that question, I said, no, but ever since then, it's been burning in my heart. Can we talk about something? Other times, doesn't bring anything to mind for somebody and they never call back. You see, it's a God thing, not a bill thing. But I'd have to tell you, there are these moments where in focused on God and on other people, I begin to sense or see, and you share that, and if it's God, it, it, it grows up, and it, it's powerful, it's good. Friends, I want to tell you, as we sort through this jungle of confusion, because it's out there, of selfish manipulation and distraction, I want you to kind of move that to the side and hear a promise and an invitation here, because it's here, it's from the voice of Jesus, the good shepherd, and it's for you and your life. It's how we'll navigate life. My sheep hear my voice, and I will lead them. You see, I, I sense as never before, God's people need to cultivate a discerning and a listening heart. How do you do that? Well, that could be a good seminar, but I'll give you some quick things. Spend time in the scripture. Go to the written word of God. Ask God to speak to you and you hear me pray, illumine our hearts and minds. On the Sermon Resources blog for today, we've put a little link to a kind of a practice lesson for a classic spiritual discipline called Lectio Divino, how to meditate through the scripture. You see, I want you to not only check off in your mind, the Lord is my shepherd. I want the depth of your heart to hear the Lord say, I am your shepherd. Do you see how that's? a little different. That's what Jesus is calling us to. Join a group that prays and, and studies together, a group with spiritual focus, where you can open up your heart and mind, where you can learn, where you can make mistakes. Get a gospel-centered spiritual director. Navigate the pathways of your heart. You know, I'll go through whole seasons that are marked by deep repentance. Few things block my heart and mind from hearing God's voice like my own insecurity or fear. Sometimes I really need to get that washed out. 
What would it be like to find that you can stop listening to the voice of your own fears and insecurities, to put away the noise of the world and its distractions, and instead hear the voice of the good shepherd, the good shepherd who will call you to, to see a need and respond to it with love, will point out an insecurity that's driving you and call you to the place of repentance. The voice of the good shepherd will say, this person needs an encouraging word, speak it. Here's a life of generosity, you can make a difference. If that doesn't describe your current experience of prayer, no shame or condemnation. It, it always breaks my heart. As many times folks who've been in faithful in church and serving will go, gosh, that doesn't sound like me. Don't worry. Hear it as an invitation, an ongoing relationship to enter in more deeply to more encouragement, a promise and an invitation. Jesus has more than you know now. What could be more exciting? Think of it that way. So this shepherd's voice speaks to us about a call to ongoing relationship. And I want to tell you, it speaks to us as well about a call to others. Jesus said, um, I am the good shepherd. I have other sheep that are not of this sheep pen. I must bring them also. His sheep hear his voice, but not all of his sheep are within the sound of my voice right now. That's why we go to the utter ends of the earth. I do not know who the sheep of Jesus are, but I'm going to tell everybody and he may use my voice to communicate to them. One of the things that's been fascinating across the decades of ministry in my life has been the opportunity to do ministry in places that are very, very different for me. Jails and prisons are like that. Boy, there is just nothing like the feeling of hearing that second gate clink locked. And I just realized, whoa. This is different, but for all the times and years and circumstances I've had an opportunity to visit with prisoners, to share life with jailed people, to be there on the inside and converse, I have an excitement because I know that there may be the sheep of Jesus's flock from a different pen, the state pen that I get a chance to share with. This is why we do missions. It's because Jesus has sheep of his flock in other places. The church at its worst has been like these Pharisees. We've put up our gate and say, ours and not yours, us and not you. You know, I'm ordained with a denomination called the Evangelical Presbyterian Church. We've got a particular call to missions among unreached Muslim people groups. We've been training and sending missionaries into closed countries to bring the gospel of Jesus Christ. You know what we do when we're training our missionaries to go into countries I can't even name? We want to give them a chance to, what is it like to be a minority, to live in a closed Muslim country? You know what we do with them? We send them to Ypsilanti and to Dearborn. And why do we do that? It's so that they can go and be with people under the darkness of a different God, Allah, and begin to share the gospel that they might come in, sheep from a different pen. Now, friends, how do you come into the pen of Jesus? It's by Jesus. He's the gate. He's the way. We don't come into the pen of Jesus to do what we want. We come in because his voice has called us and his voice shapes us. And there are so many different voices in this world. But the voice of Jesus that calls with the gospel. You know, my Muslim neighbors, they, they know of a God, but a God so distant and removed that he cannot speak to them. He's got to send and speak through a prophet. Jesus is completely different. This is a God who will come and walk among us, who will speak with us. I had someone ask me sometimes, well, aren't Allah? And they're not. One God would never be with people. The other God did, and he gave his life. Those are two different and the God of the Bible, Jesus is saying, I want a relationship with you. I'll give my life for you and I'll speak.
speak to you. I'll lead you and guide you. You'll hear my voice in the midst of a world that's saying, you must perform, you must consume. You hear the voice from the cross. It is finished. You are mine. Receive this day. He calls us to faith. And he's got sheep that he wants yet to come. So the ongoing life of prayer, the call to others to let them know of the good news, that grows out of this idea of a shepherd who speaks and sheep who hear. But there's another marvelous thing for me about this idea of the good shepherd Jesus says here that he himself is the the door or the gate. And the picture here is of protection. There's a sheep pen, you know, the fence around it, but there's a gate you can come in and out. And the gate is about managing who comes and goes. Come in. The wolf is not invited. That's part of what the gatekeeper does is guard us from the wolf. All through the Old Testament, it manages who comes and goes. The gate in the city was the place for legal proceedings. It's where sales and transfers of property would be validated. The walls and the gates were the first line of demarcation and protection for the city. Think back on the whole book of Nehemiah. Remember, Jerusalem has been left broken. Nehemiah comes back and builds the walls and builds the gate. The gate provides protection for his people. The gate filters, if you will, what comes in and what goes out. What comes in is at his invitation. What goes out is at his strength. Last week, I closed by talking about a favorite Christian character of mine, John Newton. You remember the slave ship captain who came to faith in Christ and years later, in the journey of sanctification would write about it in the song Amazing Grace, but it took years. About 80 to 100 years before John Newton, there was a man, John Bunyan. And perhaps you've heard that name. He was, again, one of the most published English-speaking authors in the history of English-speaking publishing. John Bunyan, have you heard of his book, Pilgrim's Progress? It's a great allegory about the journey of faith. We've got another book that's a favorite of mine. It's called the whole, we call it the Holy War. You want to know what his particular um, title was? I, I love the way these guys did titles back in the day. The Holy War made by King Shaddai upon Diablos to regain the metropolis of the world or the losing and taking again of the town of Mansoul. It's an allegory and a fascinating thing. This book would have been key for John Newton. It was written 80 to 100 years before Newton. And as he was growing in his faith, Pilgrim's Progress, Holy War would have been key for him. This is a a picture of the print that's at the frontispiece of the original um, book. And I'll just kind of point it out. You see in the center there, the man, and he's kind of superimposed on a town, a city. The allegory is this, that the person is like a town, and the town is named Mansoul. I loved how Wikipedia had to explain it's an allegory. Mansoul means the person's soul. So think of your soul as a town. And to the left there, the dragon Diabolos, which would be the devil, This is how allegories work. And to the right of the picture, that's actually Shaddai, El Shaddai, the name of God, Shaddai's son named Emmanuel. And off to his side, Shaddai's army. What Diabolos takes the town of Mansoul, but Emmanuel, Shaddai's son, takes his army and retakes the city. They storm the walls and rebuild them. They storm and take. If you look at Mansoul's left, kind of between him and Emmanuel, you'll see a little eyeball. That's called eye gate in the story. The gate of the eyes, what enters through the eyes. And then to the other side, right over by Diabolos, because that's where it first started. It started with something Mansell heard. Ear gate, eye gate, ear gate. 
where it's passed by. When Jesus is the gate, he gives us new eyes. He gives us new ears. And indeed, the other gate that's uh, part of the battle here is mouth gate and what is spoken. It's an allegory, but it's a great picture. Imagine when we read that Jesus is the gate or the door. Imagine that gateway guarding our hearing. What would it be like? If the voice of condemnation or brokenness, the orphan voice, I often call it when I'm working with myself or other people, if that orphan voice couldn't get to your heart, but instead the voice of God's adoption, you are my beloved. What would it be like to have Jesus, the gate, guard not just your hearing, but your viewing? You know, brain scientists are learning frightening things about the impact of pornography on lives that those images go in eye gate and they begin to imprint on the pleasure circuits of the brain and actually hijack, connect to a screen what should be given to a spouse. The attack was through eye gate. Imagine the gospel of Christ guarding the gate of our eyes and what comes in. This is why I don't watch any 24-hour news cycles. I'm guarding eye gate. But imagine if you could begin to see in the beauty of a day. Have you ever walked out and just said, whoa, I live on a beautiful planet, but this planet was made by one who loves me. That's why I love the beauty of this world because it reminds me its creator would die for me. Could you see the world in fresh new ways? Could you see every person you encounter as an image bearer of the great God whom he would call to faith in his son, Jesus, to be an adopted child of the great God? Oh, that the gate of Jesus would guard our speaking so that what we say is both true and kind. You know, often in my interaction with folks, people will come to me and they've been through a difficult circumstance and they're wounded and they'll tell me about the wound. This person did thus and such. And a little later they'll come and they'll tell me about that same wound. And then they'll tell me at a third time, you know, I was interacting with so-and-so and and there was this wound. And then a fourth time, are are you picking up the pattern? They'll come to me with that wound, and at some point, I'll say to them, you know, I'll listen because I love you, but because the gospel is about reconciliation, I will listen only if you and I can then go together and speak to the person. And at that point, there's a fork in the road. Somebody will either say, boy, if you'd help me, I'll... I'll go, this has to get settled. Or somebody will say, they never quite say it this way, but the way it works out is, no, I'd rather nurse my wounds. And that's the end of our conversation. Imagine the Lamb of God guarding the gate of your hearing, your seeing, your speaking. Speaking to you the voice of adoption and love empowering you to live differently. Let me pray for you and we'll press in. Jesus, I thank you for your kindness and grace. And I thank you that in you is identity, that you've called us. I pray that you'd help each of us to learn to still our hearts, to dig deep into your written word, and that you'd begin to illumine to us your great love and kindness. And then rebuild our lives, strong walls and gates, guard what we see and hear and speak, that it might bear fruit for your kingdom and for the blessing of other people. I thank you, Father, that we are loved even when we're not lovable. But that love works in us to make in us more than we can ever ask or imagine. Be encouragement for your people in this as we draw to your throne. Be healing and grace and encouragement. Thank you for your kindness, we pray in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. I invite you to stand and worship with us. This song is actually a new favorite of mine. Um, The lyrics are amazing. There are a lot of them, however. So as you either learn this song and sing it or think on these words. Um, Don't let them pass you by. Um, Bring them to your heart and to your mind this morning.
in his blessing and benediction from 2 Thessalonians. And now may the Lord Jesus Christ himself and God our Father, who loved us and by his grace gave us eternal encouragement and good hope, may he encourage your hearts and strengthen you in every good deed and word. Amen? Amen. Go forth in that strength.